My wife and I were discussing checking in for a flight. My alarm went off. Please silence your cell phones. That's always embarrassing when the speaker's alarm or phone goes off. Good morning. Buenos dias. Abren sus Biblias a la Josué. Who speaks Spanish here? Anybody? Okay. Uh, we're going we're gonna to look at um, the book of Joshua. We're going to get into that a little bit later um, in our time. I just want to um, say thank you to Pastor Kevin, Garrett, Pastor John, uh, just for having us out here, uh, having me here again. It was a blessing being with you all last year, uh, this time March, and um, I especially am thankful because my wife, uh, Jackie, and our daughter, uh, who her birthday was on Friday, she turned nine, uh, that they got to come up with me. Oftentimes I travel and I get to go to these churches and meet people and connect and everything, and then you go home, and husbands, you know when you try to, your wife wants to get all the details, right? Tell me all about it, and this and this, and who was there, and who'd you meet, and how was this, and how was that, and you're like, it went good. (laughs) That's like the guy version, right? So the Lord worked it out um, for them to be up here, and uh, so I would love it for you to get a chance uh, to meet her and to talk with her. Um, if, if you were coming in, uh, hopefully you saw some tables and, and uh, our information out there. That has all this stuff for um, in regards to what God called us to do six years ago. It's hard to believe that it was six years ago last month that we loaded up this U-Haul. I've got some pictures to show you guys this morning. Uh, We spent nine years in Puyallup and uh, as a youth and college pastor, worship pastor at my dad's church that he planted. And uh, we were very content there. Um, The church was growing a lot. We had bought a house. We adopted our little girl uh, from Ethiopia when she was four months. We brought her home when she was 11 months. It's a bit strange that she's nine years right now. In fact, we were, she kept saying to me, Dad, um, I don't think I want a quinceanera for my 15th birthday. I said, could we maybe just concentrate on year nine? Because, and she said, um, I don't want a quinceanera. Uh, I want to go to Paris. No idea. Maybe her mom planted that idea in her head or something. Anyways, so we moved down there and she was two. So she went from Africa to the United States to Mexico all by the time that she was two. And so we started packing up this U-Haul. Some of you might recognize the guy on the right. That's Mark Jones, his wife, Anna. I knew his wife. We, We grew up together as kids. Uh, so blessed that they're going to this church and so many other faces that have come through our church when we were down in Puyallup and just random connections. We met a guy last service who his wife taught my daughter when she was in high school at Cascade Christian School. So it's crazy how God works things out. And so I think crazy is one of the best words to describe the Lord at times. Not that he is crazy, but at times that we think he is doing crazy things. Can I get an amen? 
I mean, when you leave everything that you know and the comfort of everything and you take your wife, who my in-laws are here this morning as well, and when you take their only daughter to another country uh, and their granddaughter, that's not a, a huge popular thing, right? And um, so it is a bit crazy when you are just saying, okay, Lord, we'll go and we'll trust you. And so God called us down to um, Bashinava. This little town up in the beautiful Sierra Madre Mountains in the state of Chihuahua, south of El Paso, Texas, okay, to kind of give you some reference. And we went and we purchased 40 acres. And the way that we got connected with this area is my uncle uh, was born and raised there. He came across illegally to the States years and years and years ago, met my aunt, my dad's younger sister. They were both unsaved. They hooked up, they got married, they got saved, and then they committed their life to saying, Lord, what do you want us to do? He called them down in 2003 to start a church, Calvary Chapel Bashiniva. Our church had the blessing of helping buy the property, build it, and so for years I've been going down there. I never expected to live down there. It's not like it's a booming town. Uh, in fact, more things have closed in the last six years since we have been down there. And every, our, our, there, there are few restaurants and places that you can actually go to, and they have all since closed. So all of their taking away, like, our date nights. So we have to get creative with whatever you can do. Going, You kind of get tired of the same burrito stand over and over again. Well, that 40 acres that we purchased, and then we, in faith, we just started building and trusting and believing this is what it looks like now. It's kind of our ever-growing compound. So you have the main 7,500-square-foot facility in the middle. Our house is to the left. Then we have staff housing. We have offices. We have a computer lab. And our property, actually, that back mountain line, our property goes up over that mountain. So if you come down on a mission trip, this is my little plug for our missions trip, Okay. This church sent a team last, uh, when was it, September, October? And they blessed us beyond measure with their attitudes, with their servants' hearts, with their, their just their hard work, their ability to consume mass quantities of good food, the laughter, the way that they loved on the kids, the way that they loved on our staff, they were a wonderful representation of this church. And I'm assuming they enjoyed it because the church is wanting to come down again in May. So after this service, we are having an info meeting in a room 110, wherever that is, 110. Uh, it's not committing to go or anything. If you would like to hear about opportunities to come and to serve and what that's gonna look like, I would invite you guys to come because all of this was done through mission teams. People all throughout the United States, people from Canada, people from Mexico. God just stirring on people's heart for the work that he is doing. And so once things were completed and we became a licensed orphanage, the next step was, God, how are you going to bring kids? And are you gonna bring kids? And oh, he has. Over 50 kids that we have cared for in the last four and a half years. 
ranging in age from 18 months old to 18 years old. Currently, right now, we're caring for 15 kids full-time, nine girls, six boys. Our youngest girl, she is in her last year of kindergarten. Well, I mean, they do kind of three preschool, pre-kindergarten, and then kindergarten. Anyway, she'll be done, then she'll be in elementary school. And our oldest is a sophomore in high school. And some of them are true orphans. Some of them have been abandoned and neglected by their parents. Some have parents, but they just can't adequately take care of them. Some don't want to take care of them. So we have a variety mix of children. But nevertheless, we care for them 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And it is exhausting. I was telling second service, I've never wanted to put kids to bed early enough. It's like, it's four o'clock. I think it's time for bed. We haven't eaten dinner yet. Well, we'll feed you breakfast in the morning. And, and then my wife and I, kids will be in bed. We'll get back to our house and we'll have this grandiose idea. Let's pop popcorn. Let's watch a movie. And then, you know, a few minutes later, I mean, you just, you're exhausted. And I love this picture because this has a number of our staff members. So all the adults you see, um, those are our staff that work tirelessly to care for these kids. And they do it more so than just a job. Granted, it is a job and, and we're able to provide income for their families, which is a blessing, but they go above and beyond because they understand the mission the mission to impact the lives of these kids. And uh, so every time I travel, they used to never smile for pictures or anything. I used to have to bribe them with everything. But now, since teams have been coming down, and if I have a trip coming up, I'll say, hey, listen, I give them my little spiel. Hey, I'm leaving. Obey. Listen. And they'll say, what church are you going to? And rather than saying the name, I just say the people who've come down. So they're like, well, whose church are you going to? And I'll say, well, I'm going, uh, do you remember David and Michael, John and Janessa? And then they'll say, oh, yeah, and Rapunzel. Rapunzel is Spanish for Rapunzel. And uh, Bobby, who came down, (laughs) their kids are not used to long hair. And so any, any individuals who come down who have different looking hair, uh, they, they, they call him Rapunzel. So the first guy we had, he was from Missouri, and he was really Rapunzel. Dude had hair, like, really, really low. Bobby's got somewhat long hair, but they're not used to dreadlocks. No one really has dreadlocks down there. But he did inspire some of our staff members to try to grow dreadlocks. After first service, Bobby came up to me, and he, th- he said, thanks, man. I had 12 people after first service come up and say, hey, Rapunzel. So when you guys see him... It's a good nickname. So, oh, there he is. (laughs) Um, This little gal is Berta. I want to take a a couple moments now just to highlight a few of our kids because um, one of the things in in, in traveling and sharing and joking and laughing, I love connecting with churches and and just talking about what God is doing Uh, and then sharing the need. What God has done, he has blessed us beyond via churches and families and teams 
and all of the stuff that we have supposed to have gotten from the Mexican government, the money we were supposed to get and all this, we have gotten zero. Uh, in fact, well, I shouldn't say that. Now we get um, food dispensas or food donations once a month. So that finally started. But after hopes and promises and all this, and, and we got nothing. And so God, who is not bound by money, right, or governments or anything, he has provided via uh, churches and families. And I was so blessed. After first service, a brother came up to me and he said, we're praying for you. And then he said, we got you. We, we, we got you, this church, we, we have you, meaning in our prayers, in our support, and I love that. So when people say, hey, what's the need? How, how can we help? Do you, do you need teams to come down? Um, do you need donations? Well, one of the things that we're focusing on right now is our sponsorship program. And so we have these cards, if you guys, as you're leaving, if you want to check out a table, it's these sponsorship cards that just talk about um, the way that we connect our kids with families. And that comes in a variety of ways. Uh, we have a number of people that, are, that sponsor the kids. They've been doing it for years. They're, they're, they come down and they visit the kids on missions trips. They write letters. Uh, they talk to them on the phone. They, they send pictures. We're, we're really excited about connecting our kids with people outside of our little town. And so we have three new kids. This is Berta. She is six years old. She is in first grade. Uh, this is her, sis, her stepsister, Irene. Uh, these girls just came to us in August, and Irene's mother um, died in, uh, during birth. And so as we're learning the story of these kids, so basically what we have learned is that her mom died in, in birth and then the dad was not able to care for her and so the grandma said, hey, I'll, I'll take care of her. That's, that's often the case in Mexico. Uh, a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, a cousin, somebody who is helping raise or raising kids. And um, well, we later found out that um, in June, because I was, I, was, I was trying to figure out, okay, the mom died at childbirth, you know, why the dad didn't connect with, with the daughter again, and so as we were asking questions, well, he found out this past June that the grandmother, um, a short time after taking her in, she put her in an orphanage. So up until June, this Irene has been raised in another orphanage. And the dad didn't know that. And so he found that out and they got reunited, but he's not in a place where they can adequately get them to school and whatnot. So we've come alongside um, to help. And so this is Irene. And then the next uh, young man, this is Luis Modesto. And uh, he, we've actually cared for all of his siblings at some point over the last five years. Um, him and his sister are the only ones who are currently with us. Uh, but they come from a town called Cordaraivo, which is about eight hours away from us, really far up in the Sierra Madres, up by Copper Canyon. If any of you want to take an adventure, it's bigger than the Grand Canyon, and it's absolutely breathtaking. And there's all these little villages where these Tarahumara Indians, uh, where they live. 
And so I first went and visited where they're from about six years ago, fell in love with the place, some of the most beautiful scenery. Uh, at that time, there was no electricity, no running water, no, no plumbing, no anything. And um, so he, we cared for his, his older brother and two sisters for a number of years. Uh, and um, he finished elementary school. There is a junior high up there, but they don't, the teachers rarely show up. And so education past elementary is really non-existent up there. So we have been taking care of him since this past August. And so I highlight those three because they are the ones who are in the most need. If any of you feel at the end of our time uh, that God is, is leading you to, to pray for, to financially support or whatnot, then please check those cards out. We, we have so much other stuff out there um, this next picture, the last picture, um, this is extra special to me because this family came to us right when the mission team from your church was down with us. And so the team was down here. We got contacted. The, the two boys, the one on the right is Julio, his brother, Ray David. Um, and the mom, uh, she is the aunt of Luis Modesto, the picture I just showed you. And she said, listen, um, could you take care of our kids? There's no work. We can't find work anywhere. We have to go to Sinaloa or Sonora, a few states over, to try to find work. Can you take care of our kids? And we said, sure. So they came to bring the kids. Well, the mission team was there. And Lupe, my, my kitchen my, my main cook, she said, hey, listen, there's a lot of mouths to feed. These people are chowing down. Um, I really need some help. Can we hire Lupita? That's the, the mom. And I said, sure, absolutely. Well, Carlos, my, my lead worker, he said, hey, man, we're doing this fencing project. We could really use some extra labor, some extra hands. Do you think we could hire Julian for the week? And I said, sure. We, we have a little bit of extra income. Um, let's do this. And we have been employing them since because God kind of put it on my heart that he is bigger than money. And how do you say to a family, okay, thanks for working. Good luck in Sinaloa or Sonora. Come visit your kids when you can. You can't. <laughs> and I just started praying and saying, Lord, we don't really have the funds. We don't really have this, but you're greater than that. And I believe that you can, you can do it. So we found out during the, the, this time that they have been together for almost 15 years, but they, they've never been married. So they've been meeting with, with my uncle, the pastor of our church down there and his wife. And they said, you know, you guys need to get married. It's, it's, it's a good thing. And they went through it and they said, okay. So they went and they got married before the, the, the justice of the peace legally and she got all done up and he had, I mean, the guy's always smiling. He's smiling in this picture. He was smiling extra on that day when he was, he was gonna marry his, his, his wife. Uh, they have yet to place their faith in Christ. But every week they meet with our pastor and his wife for kind of pre-discipleship class. And they're going through the gospel message. He loves reading the word of God. He reads it every night. He reads it on his lunch break. 
And so please pray for this family. We, we want to prevent orphan care. We want to prevent that by helping this family. And so one of the focuses that we're doing is not only how do we help kids, but how do we help these, these families? How do we help these moms? The last story I'll share before we get into our, our, our main study um, is there are a bunch of handmade goods out there. If you walked, you saw maybe some bracelets and some necklaces and some baskets. Uh, there is a girl that we've been caring for. Her name is Sandra. And I found out that her mom makes these goods. And she came to church one time and she said, would you, you know, I'm trying to get some bus fare to go home after visiting her daughter. Would you, could, would you want to buy some bracelets? And I said, sure. And so I bought some of these bracelets that I still wear, bought some for my wife, my daughter. And then I thought, hey, why don't I buy more of this? And then when I travel, I just take it to churches. Well, it, it goes like crazy because people like connecting with with stories and what's taking, what's taking place. And so the, the goods that you see out there, uh, we basically employ this gal, her name is Teresa. We, I hire her uh, and able to pay her good, a good wage um, to make these things. So anything that you get via the donations and whatnot, it goes to help support uh, her and these families and the overall thing that God is doing. And it is a crazy thing it is a crazy thing it is a wondrous thing I was thinking of what it says in Joshua chapter 3 verse 5 when when the nation of Israel you can put the title slide up when the nation of Israel is getting ready to to inhabit the promised land Joshua says to the people in chapter 3 verse 5 he says consecrate yourself for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you Check that out. The Lord will do wonders. I also love in Psalm 72, 18, it says, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. How many of you can testify this morning or say an amen that God does wondrous things? Amen? Has he done some wonderful things in your life? Has he blown you away? Has he amazed you? And wouldn't we all love to say that a relationship with Christ is all roses and wonderful and it's always wondrous? But how many of you, I would assume that by your laughing, you would say it does not always feel that way? That's how 2018 was for me. Of the six years we've been down there, it was the biggest year of change. It was the, the, the most things happened. And living in Mexico, you, you have to learn, you have to adapt to things not functioning the way it does in the States, right? Any of you who, if you've done missions work or we have contractors and, and they'll come down and plumbers and electricians and they're like, can you really do this? And you're like, sure, this is Mexico. That's how they do their power. And they can't fathom it. They can't understand it. And they're like, well, can you put that? Well, sure you can. Someone will say, well, when, when do, you, do you have a... Uh, you know, a, a committee that comes out? Do you have a, con, you know, a person that comes out and checks this stuff? Or like, no, you just do it. And um, so things are always changing. Here's another thing that's so weird. Daylight savings in Mexico happens a month after the States. 
And in fact, one time, I didn't know that, I was taking um, a, a team back and daylight savings had already happened in the States. We forgot about it, so we lost an hour. So we get to the border and one of this, this intern, she did an internship with us. Her mom is texting like crazy. Where are you? Where are you? Are you alive? Are you safe? And she's like, what is my mom paranoid about? We're two minutes late. No, we were an hour and two minutes late because the time had already changed. And then we were racing to get the, this group of people to the airport. So stuff is always changing. Now, there's certain things that I can deal with and I can adapt with. And then there's others. Man, it is way harder. Can I get an amen to that? It's like, whoa, God, what are you doing here? That's what 2018 was. It was a woe. And not only a woe, it was like a, could this be it? Like, God, are you telling us that you're, we're going to hang up the towel and it's done? Um, I was here with you all last year in March. January, February, March, I think those were pretty good months. We got back, and then it seemed like one thing after the next was happening. We had a huge change in our staff and some missionaries and some personnel, and that had to, we had to completely change how we, we sort of run and staff and structure the orphanage. We had changes in finances, uh, we had changes with kids who we had cared for for years and years and years. They, they, they got to the teenage adult years of just saying, peace, we're done with you. So after all those years of investing and, and, and so close to finishing their education, the first ever in their family, and they just decide, I'm done. And then, as if things couldn't get worse, so to speak, my dad, our founding pastor who started the church in Puyallup and I was on staff with him for nine years and, and we helped plant the church in Bashiniva and then he, they commissioned us out and, and visited us and he was on the board of directors for the orphanage. He retires. And he, 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 he passes the church off and then he moves to Milwaukee and he's writing and he's doing stuff over there. And then... We didn't have anybody within our church to raise up as the pastors, so then our church hires a guy I had never met before from Portland, Oregon. So think about this for a moment. You, your, your home church, your sending church, the, 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 the pastor, those that were there, they helped found the orphanage, they were your, your biggest fans, your biggest supporters, that sort of goes away and then you hire a random person that you've never met before. Half the age of my dad, uh, not familiar with Calvary chapels. And um, so they're like, hey, we hired this guy. His name's Stephen. And in my mind, literally, I thought, this guy probably doesn't even like orphans. <laughs> I know that sounds ridiculous. But I was like, I don't even know this guy. I have no relation with him. What if he comes in? He's probably going to come and look at the financials and say, who's this Jason, he's a, yeah, let's get rid of him. Uh, there's this orphanage in Mexico, yeah. I'm not really into that, I'm more into this. And I was, play, all this was playing through my mind. And then the enemy comes in, and then he festers, and then he brings more lies. You guys know what I'm saying? And then pretty soon, you just feel like it's over. I had gotten a few emails from 
churches and individuals, sorry we can't support anymore. I got a f- some non-emails of just people just not supporting anymore. Then when you're starting to do the budget, you can't help but just worry and, and worry and overanalyze and overthink. And I just hit a place of maybe the God of wonders is kind of done. Maybe this is it. It was a good run, six years. What do we do next? Listen, brothers and sisters. Anytime we go through changes in our life, we go through chapters, seasons, whatever you want to call it, there's one of two ways of looking at them. Through our little mind perspective or through God's perspective. And I would love to tell you this morning that in Immediately, I always go through God's perspective. That is not true. Probably 99% of the time. And I imagine if any of you are like me, your immediate reaction is through what you think and how you view it. And that's when worry comes in. That's when stress comes in. That's when anxiety comes in. That's where over um, analyzing things, overthinking things, and then you're in just a basket case state. And here's what's awesome. The Lord, in knowing how we are, he has given us hope through his word of how to view things. For instance, if you're worrying, if you're stressing and you're worrying about the finances, about your, your growing teenagers and what they're going to decide, if you're worrying about something, well, Matthew chapter 6, 25 through 34 is for you. Because Jesus focuses on don't worry. He says, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about your clothes. He says, for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then what? And then all these things shall be added. Well, how maybe you don't struggle with worry. Maybe you're just anxious, anxiety. That's a huge thing in in our world today. Anxiety. Well, Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for Nothing. Definition of nothing? Nothing. Okay? Be anxious for nothing. But in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Well, how about if you're a thinker? How many of you, you feel like you can never shut your brain off? When you go to bed at night, it's just always thinking. My brain is always thinking. In fact, my wife, she'll just say, stop thinking about work. Stop thinking about the orphanage. And she, she knows it. She knows me. It's just always, 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 always thinking. Well, listen to what the Bible says to that. I would like to tell you I'm always thinking of wonderful, beautiful thoughts. The nice thing about thinking is most people don't know what you're thinking about. So you can smile even though you're not having a good thought towards that person or whatnot. 
But listen what the Bible says. Paul later on in Philippians 4, 8, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever, that are pure, that are lovely, that are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, what does it say? It says meditate on these things. In other words, Jason, meditate on the things that I have done. Meditate on the property that I've bought in you and the buildings that came and the kids and the finances. Think on those things. That's what the Lord is saying. Not on the negative. But listen, without the help of the Holy Spirit, isn't it hard? Because we naturally just go there. I don't know what is happening with me lately. Maybe it's because I turned 40 this year. Maybe, I don't know what it is. But I have been going to like the most extreme in everything. Now you can talk to my wife. She'll testify to this. For instance, I had some pain in my gum. And normally I wouldn't, well, whatever. It's pain. Pop a few pills, whatnot. Uh, well, my sister had just had a gum graft, a skin graft thing in her mouth. So she had this kind of minor surgery. Last time I was up here, pretty painful. She was telling me the details. I was like, praise you, Jesus. I don't have to have that. Well, until I had this little pain. So I'm in the mirror checking it with my flashlight. Babe, can you check it out? What do you see? And she's like, ooh, it looks like this. I'm like, that's it. It's done. Graft surgery, gum surgery. Going to pay all this. Got to go to the States. And my mind, for whatever reason, it just goes to the extreme. And that's not healthy. Well, a few days later, the pain went away. And I am fine. But the stress and the agony and the worrying, and so I've really just had to say, okay, God, you, you gotta help me in this. So this message, this is for me as much as it is for anyone. Because listen, this is what God wants us to do. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Trust in the Lord. And so I felt like God was saying, Jason, do you trust me? And I said, yes, Lord, I really do, but it's easier said than done. Because I want to be a doer of the word, not just a hearer, not just a listener. I want to really believe that. And so the Lord brought me, this past year, he brought me Joshua chapter 1. In particular, the first nine verses. So we're going to look at the first nine verses, and then I'm going to point out four things, and I'm really praying and really believing that this will encourage some of you here, especially if you're in the midst of a trial or a change. Or something is awaiting you. Because God wants to remind us that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he wants us to be reminded that he is the God who alone does wondrous things. And he doesn't stop. Listen, he doesn't just cease. God is not bound, thank the good Lord, he is not bound by politics, by presidents, by countries, by rules, by law. He is everything. That stuff does not phase him. Budgets, 
I don't know why they were created. I don't like them. I don't like doing them. But they don't phase him like they phase us. God is just saying, just trust me. Trust me and seek me and all these things shall be added. But when we're in times when that is harder, that is easily said than done, we're in a difficult place. He brings us his word. He brings us the stories. He brings us examples like Joshua. Because listen, in this particular moment in Joshua's life, his life was radically about to change. We see that right in verse 1. Joshua chapter 1, verse, uh, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, rise, go over this Jordan to you and all this people into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Right off the bat, God doesn't waste any time. Joshua, maybe he said good morning. I don't know. Joshua, Moses is dead. Now, therefore, rise. It is time. When I read the scriptures, I always wonder what conversations are like. Did Joshua say, uh, time for what? Was he nervous? Was he anxious? Was he worried? We know that he was Moses' assistant. We know from other passages that he was there at some pretty intimate, powerful times between Moses and the Lord. He was dedicated. And now it's his time. I imagine when Moses died, the nation of Israel was kind of like, well, what happens now? He's not inheriting the promised land. We're still here. There's the Jordan River. And then it's, there's that. So in the midst of people wondering what is going to take place, maybe, the Lord knew exactly what was going to take place. Joshua, Moses is dead. It's time. Arise, and you're going to take all these people into the land that I'm giving to them. Then he goes on in verse three. He says, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. And then the ESV version, Bible version says, just as I promised Moses. Isn't that sweet? Just as I promised Moses. So right off the bat, as God is calling Joshua into this new chapter of his life, he reminds him of his promises. He reminds him of that he is committed to his word. Joshua, just as I promised Moses, the things that you heard, maybe the things that Moses shared with you, all of that stuff, it was good for him. It's exactly the same for you. Nothing has changed the mission for the promised land. The only thing that changed, Joshua, is you're going to lead them in. And not only does he remind him of his promise, but look what he says as we read on in verse four, from the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. Verse five, no man shall stand, be able to stand before you all the days of your life just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And then he says this, I will not leave you nor forsake you. Don't you love that? Here is God 
in this critical time in his life, speaking these words of hope to him. Joshua, I promise Moses, and I'm promising you, we're gonna do this. And if my promise isn't good enough, my presence is going with you. Why? Because I will not leave you nor forsake you. Every time I read those words in the Bible, it's very powerful to me because our ministry is dealing with kids who have been forsaken, who have been left. We are absolutely rejoicing. Those of you that follow us on our blog or on Facebook, which I would encourage you guys to get signed up for that, we are absolutely rejoicing in our God of wonders because one of our boys who is a true orphan, he is getting adopted. And if any of you are familiar with the adoption world, most people want young kids. And a lot of people want girls. In fact, it's kind of like newborn to like two is one of the most popular ages. This young man is 15 and he's a boy. And he's come from horrendous background. And he's getting adopted. Isn't that incredible? I mean, that is a wonderful reminder. I did a blog post about it because we were able to share it now that it was official. And I was in my office sobbing as I'm writing. And my wife walks in. She goes, she's so funny. Whoa, whoa, what's going on here? What are you doing? Because if she sees me crying, she will automatically start crying. And I said, I'm writing about Juan. And I can. she's like, oh my gosh. Whoa. She's trying to do this. And then she says, I gotta go. And then she just leaves. We were, I, it was emotional because someone who was neglected and forsook, God has reunited with a family. A physical family. Oh, so powerful. And even more powerful than that, the God of the universe has given us his word that he will never leave us nor forsake us. So any of you that have struggled with abandonment issues, maybe you're, you're children of divorced parents. I am. Maybe you've experienced loss or whatnot and you feel forsaken and you feel abandoned. You read that over and over again. I will not leave you nor forsake you. I love that. Presence goes with them. And then he reminds Joshua in verse six, he says, be strong and courageous. For you shall cause these people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Now this is interesting to me how the Lord is sort of building up this crescendo of being strong and courageous. In other words, he says three times to Joshua. Here in verse seven, verse six, be strong and courageous. Verse seven, only be strong and very courageous. Then verse nine, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Then he says, don't be frightened. Don't be dismayed. Now, if I'm Joshua and I am hearing this from God, I am thinking, what should I be worried about? Why are you warning me? What awaits us on the other side? I wasn't frightened, but I'm frightened now. (laughs) 
I wasn't dismayed, but now I am. But listen, what God was doing is he was, he was giving him his peace. He was reminding him, listen, you don't have anything to worry about. Now we know if, if you read on in the book of Joshua, the nation of Israel, it wasn't just, hey, sweet, cross the Jordan River and they just bask in the promised land. It was cross the river and then fight like crazy and take down all of these kings and these armies. That's why the book of Joshua is one of my favorite. The Lord knew exactly that Joshua and the people of Israel would need to know that they had nothing to worry about because their God was going before them. Their God was going with them. The peace of God is a pretty profound thing, isn't it? We just read the verse. It says it's, it's a peace which surpasses all understanding. It's that ability to just sigh and, and you know that, that the Lord is with you. Psalm 4.8, David writes, in peace I will both lie down and sleep for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. That's a verse my daughter and I say almost every night to each other. Whether we're together or whether I'm traveling, I will both lie down in peace and sleep for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. The peace of God. And then finally, here in verses seven and eight, the Lord focuses on his word. Again, verse seven, only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Then he says, but you shall meditate on it both day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. The word of God, brothers and sisters, this is so much more than a book. It's so much more than just our Bible reading checklist. In fact, Jesus himself said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The psalmist says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. It is so sad when I was pastoring the number of, of Christians that don't ever read the Bible. And listen, God is not just saying read it. Look what he says here. He says, do not turn from it, right? To the right or to the left. He says, don't stop talking about it. Don't let it depart your mouth. Then he says, meditate on it. But not just during the day, but at night. And then he says, be careful to do according to all that is written in it. How many of us struggle with that little word all? Right? Lord, I got no problem following most of what it says. When it comes to stuff like whoever wants to save his life must lose his life, surrender, submission, uh, all these things, that's when it starts to get uncomfortable a little bit. 
Again, because in our minds, it's, it's hard for us. But listen, the Bible says that the word of God is living and active. I have been so convicted of, of how little I read the word. Not just because I'm lazy and I don't want to, but like I said, when you're in the, in the ministry that we're in and you're going and you're going and you're going and then you say, okay, I'll do my devos at night and then you fall asleep or you'll say, I'll get up super early and then you don't because you're exhausted. So one of the Lord things that um, a, a friend had in, encouraged me because the, the drive to the States is about four and a half hours and I drive that a lot. And he told me about this Bible app where, where these really cool voices read through the scripture. Oh, I love it. And they got like some background noise. There's a couple chapters. It's a little bit scary. Revelations is a little intense. But they got background music and all this stuff. And you know what you're doing? You're listening to the word of God. And you're meditating on it. And so don't just, don't just view it as your devotions. That's why God just says, whether you're talking about it, whether you're meditating on it, just get it in you. Get what in me? Get these reminders that his promises still stand, that his presence is with us, that we don't have to worry, that we don't have to be anxious, that he will supply all of our needs. I mean, we could just speak of verses all morning long and all day long. In fact, don't you think maybe that's what he was talking about when he said, don't let it depart your mouth? How many of us have been guilty when we leave a church service and we hit lunch because we're starving that we don't even talk about what we learned? I am so guilty of that. When it's football season and the Broncos are playing, I am, I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> Listen, neither of our teams made it. So, Bobby was saying, go Raiders. They were worse than both of our teams. <laughs> But listen, we, we initially, what do we do? We, we go to our cell phone and we check this and I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. But what if we purposed in our heart to not let the word of God depart, not cease departing from our mouth? What if we were talking about it? What if we, you know, my wife said to me, she said, we really, would you start praying with me at night? I would like to say that she never has to say that because I always pray over us. No, I'm usually snoring and falling asleep. But she was saying, hey, can we get back to what, what we would do? And so listen, the worship team's gonna come up and we're gonna close and we're gonna sing. And I just wanna encourage you guys with this. I know that by some of the looks on your faces and some of the nods and, and some of the things, I, I know that um, the Lord is moving on your heart. And in particular, maybe the worship team is not here. I don't know. Do they? Anyways, well, listen. God is here right now with us. His presence is here, amen? 
and he is going to go with us when we leave these doors. And he is going to get in the vehicles with you. He is already there. He is everywhere. And he, so literally, we have nothing to worry about. And so my encouragement to us as we pray is this. Are you in a season right now where you're, you're feeling like you're gonna quit? Are you in your place in your life right now when you just feel like th- this is it? Are you in an unknown season? I talked to about five people after service that said this was exactly for me because we are entering a season of unknown. But God knows. And he's the God of wonders. He's the God who alone does wondrous things. Amen? And his promises and his presence and his peace and his words Holy Spirit is moving and he's directing and he's speaking and he's all of the things that he says he is. And if we would just in these closing minutes just say, God, I I, I believe that. Thank you for reminding me of that. And then as we sing the song, maybe you sing, maybe you don't sing, I don't know. But use this time to seal these things on your heart. This is real stuff. I get so fired up after sharing with people because I'm super encouraged. I'm super encouraged by his word. And that's the beauty of his word. We can talk about verses for the rest of our life and never grow tired because he is the God of wonders. Amen. Let's stand together and let's pray together and then we'll worship together. Heavenly Father, we just come before you right now in the power of your name. Lord, we thank you for being in this place. We thank you for the work that you began before anyone even came here. We thank you that you knitted us and formed us in our mother's wombs. We thank you that you are the provider and the sustainer and the healer. You are everything. And I just pray over all of these brothers and sisters that are here this morning, God. Everything that they are going through, every situation, every marriage, every family, every whether they're believers or non-believers, every brokenness, every, every sin, every chain, God, just continue to work. May the God of wonders 
obeys us. Lord, I pray that you would continue to bless the orphanage. God, I just pray for wisdom. I pray for an outpouring of of, uh, people uh, who want to maybe come down on a missions trip, Lord. I pray for this church. Lord, they are in an area that needs you. Lord, we pray for Washington. This state is a bit crazy. They legalize everything and they do all kinds of stuff. They need you. We pray for our nation. And we praise you that the answers are not in anyone but you. So as we worship you, as we declare you, oh God, move on our hearts. And as we leave this place, may we be encouraged. May we be challenged to talk about you to talk about how great you are. We sang about it, we prayed about it, and may we leave this place believing it and speaking the greatness of our God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hi, I'm Kevin Day, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel South. I really hope you enjoyed the message and that God spoke to your heart through it. If you'd like to know more about our church and find other messages to watch, head over to ccskent.org. And I would love to meet you at one of our Sunday services. God bless you.